0: Hello podcast world, I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall. This is Afraid Not Podcast,
1: episode number 17. Kind of excited because 17 is a lot. We're really feeling thrilled that you all are hanging with us. we in Thanks our later teenage years now. Yeah, we're almost, almost an
0: adult. High school graduates. In podcast years. In podcast world. Okay. Today we're going to be talking to Sarah Lewis. Sarah's a wife and a mom and a former teacher and a pastor's wife. She's also an advocate for fostering and adoption, and you are going to love her story and why that has become her passion.
1: She shares this powerful story of redemption with such a conviction and heart. She's inspiring. One of the verses that is her foundation for why she does what she does is James 1, And it says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And she and her husband Rob feel very passionately about that verse about looking after orphans. And they see that their role in this is a command from the Lord. This is a really powerful and convicting conversation. We're so thankful Sarah came today. And she's just
0: so sweet and adorable. So you will love her. This is Sarah.
1: Sarah, thank you so much for coming to be on Afraid Not. We're so thankful that you're here. I'm so glad to be here.
0: So tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of a look into your life.
1: Okay. Um,
2: I am Sarah Lewis, like you said. I'm married to Rob and we will have been married for 10 years in August. Congratulations. Thank you. An exciting milestone. Yes. And we have two children. Um, Gabe is seven and Jasmine is 10. Uh, We met at First Baptist, I guess about 12 years ago now. And a couple years ago, we started attending the Calvary campus where
1: Rob is the campus pastor. Oh, that's awesome! Yes. And I think it's pretty charming and comical the um, the way that your very first interactions went. When you were, you know, 12 years ago. Would you talk about that? I think it's <laughs> fun. I think our listeners, would get a kid. We always like to hear how people met. Yes. Um,
2: well, people were definitely surprised that we were together. Just was because, it a case
1: of opposites attract?
2: Yes. We were <laughs> very opposite. He was riding freestyle motocross for a living. And I've just always been a really quiet, um, just like to be at home kind of girl. And so people were a bit surprised, but it worked and... <laughs> Uh, a few walks in the park later and we were
1: engaged. So <laughs> oh, so fun. And didn't you go on a mission trip? Oh, we did. When you yes. were maybe just friends. Yes. You were we both were on the same mm-hmm. mission. trip. We didn't
2: know each other very well, but we went to Mexico and we're building homes together uh, one of the years and just kind of got to know each other building and then in the van on the way home. And then after that, we went back Engaged. Uh, I think we were engaged the next year. Uh, oh, um, yes, <laughs> yes. So we have fun, close memories to Mexico.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's sweet. And it is true that it's uh, the picture. I'm sure that people were eyebrows <coughs> were up, thinking, "Oh my goodness, Rob is this kid that's always on dirt bikes, and and he's <laughs> a daredevil, and he's doing all these stunts." And then, and Sarah is the sweetest kindest, quietest (laughs) person, and you wouldn't have expected that those two would wind up falling in love, and yet, they 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 did. It it worked, and 10 years later, here we are. We're thankful that God brought you together, and we're so thankful that we get to be in the same church. I love it that we get to serve the Lord together at First Baptist Owasso, Mm -hmm. and though we're at two campuses, we combine often, Mm -hmm. and we see each other through those special times and I am so thankful for you and yeah. my husband Chris has a really like a family love for mm-hmm. your husband he feels very almost like a proud father <laughs> he feels very very yes. uh, affectionate and proud of him and really oh, loves investing him you. and we love getting to learn from
2: you all what it's like to uh, lead a church and that's something that's
1: very new to us so we're grateful for your wisdom in that journey it is a, it is a journey and everyone yes. is different so mm-hmm. the fact that you may be thinking to yourself well I'm really I don't know I'm, I, I don't know if I'm can do the pastor's wife thing oh yes <laughs> God is going to use you just the way you are and he uses me just the way I am and we're all just where wherever he's planted us he has a design and an intention and we, I'm trying to remind myself of this often that I don't need to try to be anybody else but me. Mm-hmm. So, thank you. And you, you for also that. have a
0: recording studio at your house, right?
1: I do. That's true. Sean's been over there
0: yes. recording. Yes. <laughs> <now>. <laughs> yeah,
2: I can't really say that much about it. <laughs> 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 I'm not very informed on it, but we do have a recording studio. Um, And Rob has a very musical side, right? He does. He plays guitar and um, enjoys that. His dad is a big guitar player, so it's kind of in his blood. But um, yeah, we have a a musical shop in the backyard. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Yes. And you grew up at church? I did. um, Born and raised in church. um, Very godly parents who have guided us well.
1: and Your parents are two of the sweetest people in the world. They really are. (laughs) (laughs) are. are I learn that
2: more every day now that I'm growing up,
1: but they
2: really are. I've been blessed by them.
1: Well, we would be grateful if you would share with us your story, and particularly as it relates to adoption and foster parenting and how God has brought you through some wonderful times and taught you some really, really special lessons, and we just are excited to hear your story, and we hope that listeners out here today are able to relate, and so many people are experiencing their own journey of being a foster parent and adopting, and um, we ask you to just tell us about your your life and what God's taught you through it. Sure.
2: Uh, so we started our journey of parenting about uh, the spring of 2015 we had always wanted to be parents, and we had talked about adopting also, but up until that point, we were both working full-time. I was teaching in a... I know teaching is stressful everywhere. Um, My job was very stressful, and... Are you still teaching? I'm not. um, It it became too much through our journey, so... (laughs) so What grade did you teach? I was teaching infants at a private school. Uh, It was infants through 12th grade, but... I loved, loved my babies. So, oh, that's um, so sweet. Yes, I got to do a lot of like traveling and lecturing and things like that with uh, the school where I was. So it was a really neat job. It was a little bit difficult to leave, but it was time, and I haven't regretted it. But.
1: And what was Rob doing at the time?
2: Oh, let's see. He was where he is now. Um, he's bivocational right now, and um, so he was in an aerospace company, um, at the time, I'm not sure what the position was, but he's just slowly worked his way up. So I don't believe he was traveling as much at the time that he is now, but, but we were just both very busy. He's always been one to keep with um, school and work and serving in church and all those mm-hmm. things simultaneously. is he pursuing his doctorate
1: right now? He
2: is starting it. He's just uh, finishing up his second master's. Wow. We'll be, yes. We'll be starting toward PhD. Um, That's very admirable. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. He's a forever student, I think. So, <laughs> yeah. He's always busy and just has a huge capacity to be busy uh, a lot more than I do. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we were both very busy at the time. and. So one night we were invited to go to something called Secret Church. And if you're not familiar, it's um, something that David Platt used to do. I'm not sure if it still happens today, but he creates these um, the environment like the persecuted church. And so wow. you go to like a simulcast and they um, show you a video of him preaching Starts about six o'clock at night. There's no music, nothing special. It's just him and the Bible and you get a workbook to go through with him. But he preaches for about six hours and just has different topics each time that he does it. So from six to midnight? To midnight.
1: And I think
2: sometimes it may go longer. This was my only time to go, but It's hardcore. Yes, it was. (laughs) So,
1: so at the USA, our normal what we're used to sermons, Uh we're used to about thirty five minutes or less. Exactly.
2: (laughs) So this is not that. This is like imagine trying to sneak into church. You know, you're just dying to learn more about Jesus. So trying to put that mentality on as you go, and just not trying to go to be entertained, but truly Mm -hmm. just going to learn. And so it's pretty intense. And so as we started the night, he talked a lot about orphan care and about um, the James passage where he says, you know, true religion is to care for orphans Mm -hmm. and widows in their distress and just said it in a very matter-of-fact way that James isn't saying it as a recommendation or a suggestion for ministry opportunity. He's saying it as a command to the Christian and so at the beginning of the night, I'm thinking we've got to get involved. I've got to volunteer um, at the Crisis Pregnancy Center. Mm-hmm. About an hour later, I'm thinking, no, we've got to adopt eight children. <laughs> and then by midnight, I'm like, just let me get in bed. <laughs> like, <laughs> I forget all that. I'm tired. That was fun. but <laughs> And so we were done on that night. But then the next day, it was still sticking with us. And so... Did Rob feel the same way you did? I He... Yes, yes and no. He felt um strongly about it also. I don't know if he was as urgent, but he went along with it without <laughs> He wasn't <laughs> he didn't like no way on it. Yeah. Right. Um so I just said, you know, would you be all right if I just find out some information if I call, you know, DHS and figure out what mm-hmm. it takes. Just just put our toe in the water, just figure out what this would entail if we were to do it. So he said, sure, like, he was happy, you know, to learn about it with me, and, um, and so we started all the paperwork, and pretty soon the ball just got rolling, and we never stopped it, so we <laughs> went to three days of training, um, so you have to do 27 hours of training to get started, and they give you options if you're going to do it, like, once a week for three hours a night, or you can do it all in one weekend so we did the all in one weekend
0: like those short intense things yes yes
2: and it was it was hard because we were working but that way we could just take off one day and it could be done right so that was an experience in itself but but we did that and we did our home study which is pretty intense as well what happens when you do a home study so usually what people do is they'll clean their house, like
0: (laughs) really, really well,
2: which is what we did. And it turns out that part's not so important, but they do an interview with you that goes really deep. So they want to know every detail of your childhood, every detail of your parents' childhood, all about your siblings. They want to know some very intimate details about your life, Mm -hmm. um, which makes sense because you're potentially going to have some um, children with, Pretty intense trauma coming into your home and need to know if you're prepared for it. Right. And so we hadn't parented at all before that, so we couldn't really say what we were like as parents, but we could say what our goals would be and mm-hmm. how we would envision doing discipline, those sorts of things. So that's um, a few visits that are a few hours each of just doing a lot of talking and a lot of, they do a lot of writing of everything you say, and so we did all of that. Um, it takes a long time, and it, as you're going through it, you start to get impatient with, you know, I just want to get this over with and have a kid in our house. Right. Um, but it seems like it took forever, and then all of a sudden, within like a matter of a day, we got our license, and then we're going to pick up this three-month-old. Within a matter
0: of a day? Well, yes, I wow. think
2: they needed a home for her, and so they hurried to actually get our stuff approved. Mm. And it, would shouldn't have taken long. It was just sitting waiting on approval, but you know how office yes. government things Renting. work. So <laughs> yes. yes, so it, they that helped rush it along a little bit. But we went. I went to pick her up. Um, she was actually coming from another foster home, and she was their last child they were going to foster so they sent her with tons and tons of stuff and and how old was this child she was three months old three months. wow Mm -hmm. and um just teeny tiny did she look younger than three months yes yes she looked a lot younger her alertness was she was very alert so I would say almost like a four or five month old alert level but her size was so tiny and she was just beautiful brown-skinned baby girl. Um, We were in love with her (laughs) right away, Mm -hmm. and it was just a couple days before Christmas, and so it kind of felt like a little Christmas present. So we took her to introduce her to my parents, but we didn't tell the rest of our family until we went to Christmas Eve dinner, and oh, so we just walked in, walked in and surprised <laughs> them, yes, and so I had a sister-in-law in tears, and the others were like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they saw the carrier, but couldn't figure out what might be in the carrier, and then, you know, she looked different from us, so there was just mm-hmm. all kinds of layers of surprises, but um, that was just a fun, fun time of um, getting to know what it's like to have a baby in tow, and that had always been a dream of mine, and so it was kind of, you know, living as a mommy. And did you give notice at your work at that time, or did you um, stay working? My work was kind enough to give me a maternity leave with her. Oh, that, that is good. very kind. Cool. Yes, yeah. yes. Awesome. And so I took, uh, I guess, about ten weeks with her, and then my parents watched her until um, the summer. And I was working in the summer. My, I had signed a contract through August, and so they let me bring her with me. She got to be in my classroom that summer. Um, so my parents were <laughs> so sweet to just, you know, kind of drop their lives and watch her for that time until June came, or May, and then she came
1: along. And so it was fun to get to have her there. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing you all bring her to church mm-hmm. and just feeling so much joy and mm-hmm. so happy that she was with you and knowing that you were providing so much love and security for her mm-hmm. that she needed so much and mm-hmm. it was pretty beautiful <laughs> have to say well it felt really beautiful
2: at the time <laughs> and there were so many ways that my job had actually prepared me not just with infant care, but with her some of her specific needs that mm-hmm. I had seen with other children. Um, so I kind I'm of sure knew how did to handle have some it. Some needs she did have a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of um, unique needs. She had a rough start in life, mm-hmm. and so that led us into this journey of I mean, literally hundreds of medical appointments. So, uh, did they things. prepare
0: you for that at all when you were talking to DHS? <laughs>
2: I mean, they told us some of the parts Mm -hmm. of life, like that you'll have caseworker visits or visitation, but we were not expecting the amount that it was. And of course, not everyone is going to have a child that has all these extensive medical needs Mm -hmm. either. And so that was kind of unique to her case, but also not uncommon to foster care. And so it just became a very, very big added, um, challenge to our life. Mm -hmm. And again, my work was very accommodating as much as they could be. So if therapy started a little bit earlier than I could get there, they would let me leave a little early.
0: So did you guys get kind of certified for traumatic?
2: No, we didn't. No one seemed to know
0: that she had these needs before
2: we got her. And so- by me being able to compare her, I mean every child's unique, but I could see mm-hmm. that she had some things that were not um, consistent with the typical infant. Just because, and of course, I'd you had, were with
1: infants every mm-hmm, day
2: for about twelve years. That was my full-time job. So, mm-hmm. it and was when you're clear. a foster
0: parent, you can kind of can't you like double certify or get yes. more certifications yes. for more trauma? You can. Kind of things? You
2: okay. can. Um, you can be a. I forget the name of it now, a therapeutic foster home. But in this case, we didn't become that. Um, We just kind (laughs) of rolled with it. And um, I don't even know if you can be that for an under three-year-old. I think that might start when they're three because it's typically more behavioral. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, but for her, we just kind of learned a lot as we went and, um, she bonded to you
1: both very well didn't very quickly she? yes yeah. she
2: did um even <laughs> even now when we see her she's very much a daddy's girl and Aww. um she just yeah she just fit right in to our home I think and we started seeing her make a lot of the milestones that she needed to once we got therapy going and she had a wonderful doctor who just prayed for her at every visit, and oh, that's wonderful. I mean, just so many pieces that fall into place mm-hmm. that you know that God's hand is on it. But at the same time, figuring out um, how do you manage all this visitation and how do you manage the relationships with her biological parents, and I mean, that's so a that's still a very having tricky visitation one. Visitation
0: times with her biological yes. parents—that oh, yes. is
2: really tricky. It it is, and it was. Um, they were not, of course, not happy with the situation. They were not thrilled with us. And that's fair enough. I mean, it's just, you know, it's yeah. hard for them to understand. So many layers and, of emotion. They're having to jump through a lot of hoops to try to get their child back. And of course, on our side of things, we're seeing all the hoops we're jumping through to try to take care of and her. You're loving and, her. And trying to love them as well. And mm-hmm. so, it it does get very tricky. So that was a huge learning curve. And then you learn the whole legal system that you never expected to need to learn. And so figuring out what adjudication means and just a whole lot, a whole list of terminology. What does that mean? That's, like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so, um, that one, I probably don't have a very good definition, but I think it's basically the... Um, once the child is brought into the legal system, um, they've been adjudicated. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so she just taught us a lot, and eventually I had to be on stand and um, you know be a witness in the trial, and that was kind of traumatic for me. Sure <laughs> so, um, bet. Just things that you would never expect your life A direction you would never expect your life to go, and then there you are. All of that was happening. We were learning the system, learning her, figuring out medical things, and then... That first maybe six months? Is this what you're... Well, okay, so that was... We had her just before Christmas. We got to move her in just before Christmas, and then around March, I went back to work. We have sort of found a rhythm by then... And then I got a call, and I got a call from our adoption worker who I forgot we even had <laughs> because <laughs> we had started out foster and adoption and, and we you had were pretty this, busy yes we were very busy <laughs> we had this foster child um, who was taking up every bit of energy we had mm-hmm. and so we got this call that we had been matched with two children wow. wow and we had said we would only take two total in the beginning so we technically she took up one of those spaces so how we even got matched with two children was um a little bit outside of what we had signed up for so I said you know I'm sorry but we are maxed out right now I'm gonna have to say no this time um you know later on we'll be ready to maybe go there to add more children but right now we can't handle it and so she said well that's fine you can say no, but first we need to do the disclosure, which is the meeting where they come to your home and they show you <laughs> the oh, stacks first. of paperwork. Uh, you don't meet the children, but okay. you meet them on paper. Okay. You see their picture. In their case, it was a very blurry picture in a Halloween costume, so we didn't really <laughs> see much, but you see their thick stacks of paper of the list of basically their trauma of everything they've been through and... Um, where all they've lived and who they've lived with and what happened to them. And so really it's just a trap because <laughs> say, you can't you say knows. no. You can't look at their pictures. And their biological siblings. Their biological right? brother and sister. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so we, you know. You said yes. A couple weeks later, <laughs> we're on the, our, on the drive a couple hours away to go meet them. And so... I mean, from that first visit, Jasmine was calling us mom and dad, and Uh Gabe took a little longer, but he couldn't say his arse, so we were uh, Wabut and Sewa, and and I think that they had told them all about us being Robert and Sarah, and so that was just our names to him, and so they attached really quickly. Um, I think they were just so hungry for attention, for attachment, that that was... It was just a natural fit for them. that Had they been in the system for a long time? They had um, since, well, I guess about three years before um, we met them. And so they had their own share of some pretty hefty trauma. And, I mean, it's amazing knowing them now, how much they were protected, how much they, um, I don't just that they are who they are, given what they've been mm-hmm. through. They're not without you know, their things, and so we work through that. They've got their nuances, but when I guess the second time that we went to visit them, we decided that we would take them to um, my niece's birthday party because it was close to where they lived, and I I guess I just expected that foster children would all be shy and fearful, mm-hmm. and <laughs> we pulled up. In front of my brother's house, and started to get out of the car. And before I could even unstrap the baby, they had already. Jumped out of the car and run to the backyard <laughs> where the water slide was, and all my family was back there. Oh, but none of
0: them knew the children. And did they know? They knew that you're bringing. They them? didn't know we they were know bringing anything. them,
2: except for my parents, because we gave them a heads up. So that, so, who are these? Yeah. So all these children. children all them. these children come in, so we start running, trying to uh-huh. explain the situation. My family thought they were just like neighborhood kids that had run back there, and we're like, no, these are <laughs> these are our children and so now my family still teases us whenever we don't show up with new children at every <laughs> event like like where are the new ones now uh-huh. but but yes they were extremely high energy and still are and they just don't really have an off switch until bedtime but it wasn't what I expected and so we got a little bit fearful because even these like two-hour visits or one-night visits wore us out completely. Like, we would just go home and crash and, mm-hmm. and we didn't know what to do with all of this energy which seems kind of silly but like we didn't
0: know if it was sustainable in our home. We weren't thinking about. It's not silly
1: at all. No, oh, it's not. <laughs> I mean, to go
0: from no children and all of a sudden have three children different right. ages—that's a lot of energy lot. in the house. It and was a newborn, lot. And your newborn,
1: your young one, mm-hmm. which she wasn't a newborn, I, I guess, but yeah, she was. She about, was needing yeah. a lot of extra things that some children don't even need. So she, mm-hmm. you had to factor in not only did she have her the the needs that every baby would have at that age, but additionally things that you were doing and therapies and schedules and all those things that on top. So I'm sure you felt a little apprehensive. <laughs> yes. Yes, we did. And it was it was just a lot.
2: And I know that people probably thought we were crazy for even saying yes to these children. I
1: didn't think you were crazy. <laughs> I thought you were amazing. Well,
2: I think my parents probably thought we were crazy, but they didn't say it. They just stepped in and they filled in the gaps wherever we were struggling. I don't think we could have made it without them. It would not have been pretty but you're right that because of the baby's needs, a lot of times mm-hmm. these children who needed so much attention were kind of put on the back burner. And I mean, can you imagine being on the back burner when you've just moved into a, a new home? But but we were just trying to figure out how to balance, how to survive mm-hmm. during all those years. And so um, we did somehow. And so on August 16th, of that year they actually moved in full time we did an extended visitation schedule a lot because of that because it was so much to transition but also it gave me time to finish out my contract and then not have to have them move and be in daycare Mm -hmm. and then um start a new school. right? So the day they moved in was meet the teacher night. So oh, <laughs> as soon as they wow. got there, we loaded up all their supplies and went across the street to meet their teachers. And thankfully they are very outgoing they and not are, fearful at all they are because darling. They, they don't just, know a
1: stranger. <laughs> they really don't.
2: They can't stand to be around a stranger. They've got to go meet everybody. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think they, they made themselves known at that school pretty quickly and uh, we were really grateful for that. They had great teachers, and
1: it was just just a lot at one time, but we managed, and so... Um, were there times that you would go to bed and, and just kind of have a, a meltdown? <laughs> a or little did you, bit, or did yeah. you always just stay strong?
2: Uh, I think I was too tired. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was a lot of time that I think I wasn't really thinking about what we were doing. It was just do it, yeah. like just make it to bedtime and hope that you're not messing them up too much in the meantime. <laughs> and so, so we did the best we could, but we had, you know, a, a support system that we really needed. And um yeah, everyone yeah. made it, I guess. But over time we eventually got to the um I guess more intentional parenting, but we weren't it took us a while to get there. And so yeah, I just think about how how much they went through and how well-balanced they are now. Um, but they do have their things that you know are a result of their upbringing mm-hmm. and the, the change and just the difficulties they went through. And so there's a loss there. I mean, that's loss for them because they've, they've lost everything they knew. Mm-hmm. And whether it was functional or not, they it's lost they their knew. people. Yeah, Yes, mm-hmm. and they lost... You know, a lot of their memory. I mean, they have their memories, but they're not living with people who can talk to them about them,
0: so they don't see their biological family at all.
2: They don't. That was one of the things that DHS didn't give us that option, and so we're kind of waiting for the right time to reach out. We, we're very open to open adoption. They just mm-hmm. said at the time that it wasn't a good idea. So, um,
0: do you know the back their backstory? I mean, like you I have do. that information? Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: Yes, I have you know, the thick paperwork that tells mm-hmm. me a lot of it. But it's just, just heart-wrenching to see what they went through and that, you know, you wish you could have been there to comfort them at least or protect them from it. And so that... How many months apart are Jasmine and Gabe? They are two and a half years apart. Um, so, yes, she has always, I'm assuming always today, and as long as I've known her, she has very much acted as his mother and mm-hmm. I, I know that's common for older sisters, but I think it's especially true. Oh, I'm sure. For them. Yeah. Because
1: They're if protected. your moms are
2: always changing, then you're going mm-hmm. to be kind of the one consistent. And I think he's always kind of looked to her for that consistency mm-hmm. as well.
0: And so Did they get to stay together every time at least? or Except for once. St- okay.
2: Once they were separated for a short time. But for the most part, I am really grateful they got to stay together. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know if I would have recognized just how important that was until we met them, but that was a very important thing for them just because they needed something consistent. Mm-hmm. They needed something the same from their life and, you know, what's more consistent than your siblings? So, yeah, they, they've they just done really well. They even had a lot of um, Bible knowledge when they came to us. Oh, really? Because they had gone to church a lot on their last parents didn't always go, but they would send the kids, and so I think that was a place where they felt accepted and invested in, and they soaked it up, so they still surprised me (laughs) with how much they know, but um, yeah, it makes me think of, like, in Joel, when it talks about God will repay the years the locusts have eaten, and that for so long, whenever I've thought about their past. I want to just take it away. Mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, trust God that he's not going to let that be in vain, that he'll use their Right, story. it'll be part of who they become. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And even now they'll talk about it um, with such confidence. They're not afraid to to go there and talk about their feelings about it and how how God's placed them in a family. And so that's fun to hear from their little... <laughs> Little perspective. So sweet. Mm-hmm. So we um, finalized their adoption in February of 2017 and one of the interesting things from that was that when we got their birth certificates we expected their names to be changed. That's what we wanted when we ordered the new birth certificates but we didn't expect our names To be in the place. Oh, your names are on the birth certificate. Yes, like just as if we were there in the hospital. Wow. So I thought that was so... I really felt uncomfortable about it because it felt like a lie. It felt like it was just revising history. And I guess it is. But then I think about, you know, the way that God adopts us. Right. And what that picture is. So they're truly yours. Yes. And legally, adoption is even more... Irreversible Mm -hmm. yes, than
1: biological children and so that is really beautiful when we consider how our heavenly father has adopted Mm -hmm. us. That it's so binding and so unconditional. That's really, really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that special day when you were actually told this is official, Mm -hmm. you are mom and dad. I mean, I just want to hear about that. It's heavy. I mean it was joyful,
2: but it's heavy to be on stand and ask those things like do you promise to take care of this child forever like yes we do but it's a it's a big promise to make um but the judge made it really fun he invited the kids to come and say what they wanted to say at the microphone too and I bet they loved it. so he had them swear under oath what their favorite ice cream flavor was and then he ordered us to go get ice cream after we left <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> so we did that and so every year we go and get ice cream at Brahms on that day and just commemorate it so uh, that's so that's sweet. very cool yes. that was a special how did time. they feel that day oh they were so excited I went to get them from school, and they were telling the secretaries in the office, we're going to get adopted. We're going to get adopted. <laughs> and so now, still to this day, we pass the courthouse all the time, and they still say, that's where I got adopted. So they got a lot wow. of like special treatment. Even the security guard was letting them look at the camera and how it works. <laughs> <laughs> and so they have a lot of memories from that day. Everyone was
0: so Were proud they already using them. your last name, or did they... Not day, yet. Th- so they started using That was
2: that day, yes. We waited until it was official. I think through foster care, we learned that nothing is final till it's final. Right. <laughs> and so we didn't want to start anything until we knew for sure that it would be permanent. So, but then they were excited to tell everyone their new
1: names. and oh, yes. I love it. Mm-hmm. So this kind of brings us back around to the fact that you still have, you're still fostering. We're still fostering. And I'm yes. sure Jasmine and Gabe loved their mm-hmm. foster sister with all their hearts. And so tell us about how the adoption process affected the fact that they were adopted, but they probably wondered, well, what about our mm-hmm. our sister? Is she adopted too? Or
2: Yeah, they did. They, they got along so well. They were just... Three peas in a pod, and they Mm -hmm. loved playing together, and laughing together, and dancing, and singing together. Um, And they, of course, didn't know our home without her. They didn't. Um, Oh, that's right. And so for them, she was part of the family. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the blessings in this is that they do know foster care. They Mm -hmm. had lived it. They had done trial reunification. They had done visitation. They. They knew what therapy was. All of this was familiar to so them. it was all to normal them. to them. Yes, and because they knew that she was a foster child, they also understood the possible temporariness of it. But at the same time, they're settled in to mm-hmm. living with her. And we were, too. I mean, they lived with her for over two years um, before the next kind of chapter of life happened. And so that was something we all became very comfortable with and Jasmine shared a room with her and would every night the child would say you know, would tell Jasmine to sing to her and <laughs> and cover her up so she got to and I'm uh, sure be Jasmine mom to did. her too. She did. Yeah, she's she, so loving. She was so patient even late at night. <laughs> so that was something that she loved. She loved that role of mm-hmm. kind of mini mom to her. So yeah, that was it was a sweet time of them all being together, and we did eventually kind of find our rhythm where life wasn't quite, like, we got used to the crazy. I guess mm-hmm. the crazy didn't go away, but <laughs> but it became the norm, and so we kind of settled into that norm, and that's when our, I guess, our afraid time came mm-hmm. um, around... The last summer, uh, 2018. So all along with her case, she it had been a roller coaster case. It was what I hear the attorneys called a unicorn case because everything was just not fitting anything typical. And so we never really knew what was going to happen. But all along, the goal, according to DHS, had been adoption. And so we just kind of kept waiting for that to happen. Yeah. And we, you know, thought, well, we're trusting God for that because clearly that's what God would want for her. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, but we still understood that it, it would nothing was for sure and that this was still a foster care case. And so trying to be open to that, but at the same time, just loving her. And so we, um, just kind of prayed that whatever God's will was would happen and that we would be okay with it and so around the summer of 18 her uh, biological mother had done better and better and the judge who had kept um, giving more time and grace kept giving time and grace and eventually it worked she um, started doing a lot better and there was no longer reason enough to say that where she was would be unsafe now safety and the Eyes of DHS is very different from what you and I might think, <laughs> but mm-hmm. but she had the minimum requirements, and so um, she took her home. or we drove her home one day actually, and
1: tell us about yeah. That. Tell us about that. Oh,
2: that was rough. That was um, I mean packing was rough, and trying to everything explain she owned? everything she owned. Um, <sighs> so we just it was weird it was like almost like a death in the family because she's there and then she's gone and Mm -hmm. at that time um there wasn't much of a chance of a lot of connection after she left um just there wasn't much openness to us at the time and so um did the five of you all go together we all went Mm -hmm. we all went and just weren't sure what it would be like and um so we got to see the apartment where she would be. And that's not even typical. Usually a caseworker will come and do that transition. But oh. um, I'm really I am grateful that we got to do that. There was a lot in that case that we did
0: that you wouldn't typically do. So was there a caseworker even there or they just no. trusted you to take her?
2: They did. I think because of the length of the case because this had been Was a it atypical that it lasted so yes. long? Yes. It's a very, very long case. And so In a lot of cases, it would be ended purely because of the length of it. But in this one, there was some legal complications and other things. And besides, the judge's decision is really what decides it all anyway. Mm -hmm. And so she was pretty insistent on giving time. And so in the end, it was just a very long case. So yes, we took her and all of our stuff and um just kind of made it quick
1: did she have a clue what was going on
2: I don't think so I tried to talk to her about it but she really wasn't very verbal she
1: was but she
2: had a lot of speech delays and so um it was hard to explain much to her
1: Mm -hmm. she
2: had been having visitation before that um, so she had spent a few nights over there um it wasn't her first time at the apartment or anything but it was it was the first time to stay and so um we did manage to do a couple of visits um the 4th of July was coming up and we had already we didn't know when she would be gone exactly and so we had planned on kind of letting my family say bye to her and so her mom did agree to let us pick up both of them and bring her to that party so that was fun that was uh, helpful to know that we were dropping her off but we would see her in a few mm-hmm, days Then mm-hmm. um, we had one other visit at the park how'd and that party go with
1: it with actually went family? well it <laughs> yes
2: <laughs> it it went well my family was uh, happy to talk with her a lot and um you know it was just kind of chill and we all had a lot to do with fireworks and eating, and so Mm -hmm. we just kept everything moving so there wasn't too much awkward. Of course, the child was spending more time with us, um, but I think maybe her mom was starting to understand at that point that that would be normal for her um, at that time. So it really was just a time of trying to remember that she was never ours, and not oh just God. that she wasn't ours, like, because she had a biological mother, but also that she was never ours, that she was God's all along. And so that was one of the most comforting things, to remember that that it was just a situation where he was sovereign over the whole thing. We knew that he wanted what was best for her and that we might not know what that looks like. And so during that time, we had a lot of just unexplainable peace that even though we were going through what would have been the hardest time in my life, Mm -hmm. it just didn't make any sense that it was peaceful for us. But it really was, It, it wasn't easy but we'd had a peace that we weren't, you know, up at night worried all the time that I think we could have justified feeling that way. But for whatever sure. reason, God chose to have mercy in that way, and so we didn't. Uh, how worry did Jasmine too much. and Gabe
0: feel? So that was. They that was a harder almost, time adjusting y- to it.
2: Yes, Gabe did okay. He was just younger, kind of mm-hmm. more in his own world. But Jazz had a hard time. I think she almost had a harder time before she left because knowing that it was coming, knowing it was coming, and kind of wondering like, how will we ever not have her? And so then once she was gone and once she was able to see that we had that peace, even though it was hard, I think that um, helped her to kind of I don't know, grieve and heal mm-hmm. a little bit more. So I think one of the hardest things in that journey was that in December, so that was July when she moved out, In December we got a call that she was coming back. And um, I mean I can't say much of the circumstances, but we were told like this is this is forever. This is we were told this is forever. Yes. And we were told and it it was just one of those things that you start to think like God did know what he was doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like he's giving us what we wanted. And so we you know, you know, let ourselves celebrate. A bit, um, and it quickly became apparent that that was not the case, that this was going to be How quickly temporary um, within a few couple days. Oh, a couple okay. Of days. So, so she did come back to live with you for a little bit. She did. She came back to live with us for, well, actually, she came back on August 16th, which is interesting to us because it was the same day that Gabe and Jazz had moved in um, two years oh, before. Right. And so we had celebrated their move-in day, came home, got the call, and then shortly after that she was there. And so um, we just, I didn't even tell them that she was coming because, like I said, nothing's true until it's true. Right. <laughs> like, right. But then she got there and we all were up late just having a dance party. She came back as if she had been there all along and... Um. So from August 16th to December, she was with us. But uh, most of that time, we knew that the goal was for her to go back again. And so then we kind of lived that loss all over again. Mm -hmm. But the second time was different. The second time, it seemed like, uh, like her mom understood that we were for her. And that we wanted to support her in whatever we could do. You weren't the enemy anymore. Right, right. And so, um, I mean, up until moving day we were, I think. But then after that, we chat on the phone now. Like, we see her once a week. I see the child once a week oh, okay. right now I'm even seeing her mom once a week um oh that's great we're working through her GED and that sort of thing and so are you supporting her and helping her through that yes wow. just in the math part but <laughs> I'm learning how much I have forgotten <laughs> from high school but but we're trying and so that's been good because I think she needed to know that someone was in her corner really and I don't think she's had a lot of that, and so that's
1: pretty amazing. That's, that's so cool that you that's invest a very in her and, her and amazing her. story.
2: Well, it's so much redemption. I mean, it's not yeah. not to my credit, but it truly is God that He has changed so much in her life that she's been willing to make those changes. She's a believer, um, so we have great conversations. About was she a believer God. before, or did, did yes. you all help lead her? Mm-hmm. No, she was before. Um, And so we've been able to have good conversations about, you know, whatever God wants to happen here is what's going to happen and um, just both of us learning to keep our hands open for what that might look like. Um, I think a lot of times our emotions matched that, you know, we had her child in our home and, you know, we thought we knew what was good for her and she didn't have her child in her home And she thought she knew what was good for her, but we had to just both trust that God did know what was good for her. And so to be able to have that conversation on kind of a level playing field, knowing the same God was meaningful to us. And so today our relationship is really strong, but it took a good three years to get there. And so I think that's one of the things that we've learned along the way too is just that you are they tell you in training from day one that you are a bridge family that you're there to support the reunification of this family that's the goal and so if that's the goal that's that's what happened in this case it was messy and it was hard and frustrating and you know people say the system is broken and it is it's made of broken people trying to help broken people right sure um but sometimes it works, and so sometimes you get to see that redemption on, you know, on the part of the child, on the part of the family, and then in our own hearts, we've seen a lot of <laughs> the sanctification process through that. And so, it's just been a really long and arduous but joyful journey too. Wow. Mm.
1: And when you get to have those weekly visits now, mm-hmm. how is it with all the kids being together? Does everyone just oh, pick so up special. right where they left off? And yes. Play? And now that
2: school's out and the kids do get to see her every week, and, yes, they just pick it up. And, <laughs> and her teachers even know Gabe and Jasmine's name because she talks about them all the time. Oh, <laughs> like, oh. so, so I think that means a lot. That was another thing that when she came back, just from that, July to December she was talking a lot more and so she could tell us what she wanted and what she was thinking and and now she can tell her her mom and her teachers and everyone um, pretty consistently (laughs) what's on her mind so that was a blessing too. It's so great
0: that you've built that relationship with her mom and Mm -hmm. you still get to have communication and stuff so that now she basically has two families exactly
2: exactly so we've kind of joked along the way like can't we just adopt them both (laughs) and it's kind of what's happening I think and so and but it goes both ways I mean truly she's a blessing to us her mom is and so that's just been part of the experience that we never expected um, to be such a big part of it You expect a child in the It doesn't look like you thought it
0: was going to in the end, but it's even greater.
2: Exactly, exactly. To see a family come back together Mm -hmm. and, you know, to see her know she's still in church every week and she's going to learn about Jesus. And there's just a lot of things that aren't as concerning as
0: they may have once been. And to have been a part of all that. Right, right.
1: There just aren't words to say how much difference you've made in her life. There aren't words. i can't all God. Imagine. <laughs> it is. I know. I know. But God used you. Mm-hmm. He used you and Rob. Mm-hmm. And the love that you have for your children and the love that you have for this family that's like family, mm-hmm. it's a really beautiful picture of his love for us. Mm-hmm. What would you say to a family who is considering being... Getting them involved in foster care. What would you? What advice would you give, and or even families that are? Let's have a separate question for how would you advise families that are thinking about adopting. So would you talk mm-hmm. about both of those?
2: Sure. Um, I think that for me, one of the biggest things that we all face, but that I faced was fear. Like I was so afraid of losing this child, and in the end, that's kind of what happened. But knowing now the heartache that it took to get there it's so worth it but mm-hmm. i'm not i know that if we do it again and we want to do it again that it'll hurt again but i'm not scared of that anymore in fact we're on a break like through grieving and just figuring out what's next but there's a part of me that almost misses that hurt because that is where Jesus meets you. Like, that's Mm -hmm. where you lean into him. In the valley. Yes, and he just Mm -hmm. fills up all your broken pieces. And so you're so close to him at that time that you just don't feel the same way when you're not broken. (laughs) So, So that's been just something that I've learned that it's not so... It's scary. Really good. It's really good, so. <laughs> um, and I know this is a little bit of a soapbox, so I hope that's okay. It but <laughs> is <perfectly good>. yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the biggest things that foster parents hear universally is the phrase, I could never do that, I would get too attached. It's all the time it comes up and I get it. I get it. I know what that felt like before, but I think there's a few things to think about with that statement. One of them is, no, you can't, (laughs) because we can't do it on our own. It's only something that God enables us to Mm -hmm. do. And so it's fair to say, I could never do that. But it's not a good excuse either. But another thing about it is that the attachment is exactly what the children need. So you can say, I would get too attached, but that's exactly what would make you (laughs) a good foster or adoptive mm-hmm. parent, sure. Um, it's hard. I mean, that is the hard part, but that's where I say that's where God meets you. Um, and so that's been important to me, just knowing that we can't prioritize our own comfort over the child's, because we, we're the adults. We're the grown-ups. Mm-hmm. So we can handle mm-hmm. a broken heart better than they can. They didn't ask to be put there. Um, that every adoption as much as we tend to romanticize it you know it is a beautiful picture of the gospel but it always starts with brokenness Mm -hmm. it always starts with loss with tragedy even Mm -hmm. if a child didn't go through something if they've lost their home that's tragic and so we need to be the people who are filling up that hole that are you know meeting that need because there are other people in our world who will meet the need. They'll step in and they'll take care of the children. But if we as the church don't do it, what a missed opportunity is that? Right. If we're not the people, mm-hmm. the
0: DHS says, we can call them. We know them. Well, like them. you said,
2: the Bible commands it. It's exactly. Not a, it's
0: not an option, mm-hmm. really. It says we're to do that.
2: Yes. And so often we're, we make the mistake of saying, I was called to foster care. I was called to adoption. Mm-hmm. And it's not that everyone should be an adoption, adoptive or foster parent. But everyone is called to do something with orphan care. We just are. Like you yeah. say, it's a command. It says it right there in mm-hmm. James. Right. Exactly. So I'll get off my soapbox. But I just think I don't want anyone to to feel, I guess, that they can't do it because of the possible heartache. Because that's there. And it's yeah. okay. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, it helps to know that it's free. Uh, through DHS so a lot of times adoption is scary because Mm -hmm. it's so expensive but if it's through DHS then it's completely free and they even provide services to help post-adoption during while they're there to make it take off the financial burden on the family and a lot
0: of people just want to adopt an infant so what would you
2: say to that um so that probably would be expensive <laughs> unless you are willing to adopt, like, a medically needy infant or an infant that goes with
0: a group, a sibling group. But because, it's not as scary to adopt an older child as people
2: right, think. Right, right. And it, it can be really difficult, but mm-hmm. it's, again, really rewarding. That's, that's where most of the need is, um, just to be honest, because there's a lot of people who are willing to adopt an infant. Mm-hmm. Or a lot of family who's willing to adopt an infant in their family if they come into custody. But but it's hard to find people who will adopt older children, um, walking, talking, um, behaviors, all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing what a stable home can do for them. And even if even if you don't see a huge change, if you're obeying God, he will bless that. And so... I think being willing to just be open to whatever he might have for you, um, it can be scary, but it doesn't have to be something that stops you.
1: Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for having me. (laughs) This has been absolutely wonderful, and I'm so grateful that you took us on this journey with you to Mm -hmm. share with other people. So thank you very much. Thank you so much to Sarah Lewis for coming today to be on Afraid Not. We're so grateful, and what a precious and pure soul. She is just wonderful, and we're so glad that she shared her story and was brave and bold to talk about such a tender and important time in her family's life. And what a beautiful story of redemption that she shared.
0: Sarah talked about not being anxious and and having peace that she didn't even know where it came from, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 tells us, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So, I I just think that we need to remember that if we're considering something scary, that we just pray about
1: it, and we can get peace from it. And, you know, if anyone is listening today thinking this really is something that God is tugging at my heart to get into the process of being a foster parent or adopting, that we just want to encourage you to let the Lord lead you and obey Him and know that the peace that passes understanding can guard your heart and mind just like it did That the peace of God guarded Sarah and Rob's and that they are so glad that they were willing to do what they did and their lives are forever changed from being with those children their children that they have now and the um, child that they got to foster sarah's
0: been gracious enough to to allow us to put her email in the show notes so if you have specific questions or this is something you're considering you can email her and we will have that listed for you
1: and also thanks to our producer today Our sweet and darling Quinn McCormick, who is the firstborn of Jill, (laughs) and Sean. So we're so glad that Quinn was here today, and she's a lot more tech-savvy than we are, so thanks, Quinn. (laughs) Remember, just uh, hit rate and review and subscribe. And thanks again for listening. We're so glad that you are listening to Afraid Not. Share it with a friend. Have a great day.